Sheila Zielinski Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, Sheila Zielinski. Hello, everyone, and thank you for joining me today for this Tuesday, June 7th edition of the Sheila Zielinski Show. I broadcast Monday to Friday, that's weekdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on WINB. Hey, to find out more ways to listen, as there is a lot of new listeners, get the customized app. That's a great feature that's customized for you, the listener. Very convenient. And if you do have the app, make sure that you do update that to the latest version. Go to the Listen tab on the menu at weekendvigilante.com. And hey, if you prefer a podcast, a great thing for those on the go, you can take my show along with you. While you're driving, jogging, walking, I only say maybe not when you're swimming. Folks, we have a fantastic guest today. My guest is the one and only Jim Willie. He is highly regarded as one of the leading experts on the gold and silver markets. His forecasts on currency-related collapses, bank defaults, and predictions for gold and silver prices. His financial and statistical analysis is absolutely unlike any. He has a PhD in statistics and his career has stretched over 25 years. And he's the editor of what I believe is the most comprehensive monthly analysis report, The Hattrick Letter, Exposing All Things Financial. His website is found at goldenjackass.com. And I'm going to tell you, I'm really excited because this is the first time he's been on this show, but hopefully one of many more. I call him the Pele of all things financial. Jim Willie, it is a pleasure to have you on the program. Oh, it's a pleasure being on the first time. And uh, I don't I don't think I've been on with a, a host from Vancouver, but uh, Vancouver is one of my favorite spots. Uh, yeah, I call it Hongcouver, but that's a whole other show, Jim. <laughs> Anyway, you know, there's so much going on. I mean, there's so much has happened since December. Washington is really pulling some major shenanigans on almost every level. You've got them politically playing chess with the BRICS nations. Very provocative. I mean, we keep hearing about this Russia as an existential threat. Here's my question, Jim. Do you think with everything going on, it seems likely that Washington would launch a full Brent attack on the BRICS nation? And with, of course, Brazil being out of the picture and who knows with South Africa, have you heard any response coming from Russia and China regarding this? Well, you you wonder, you're asking about uh, are there any attacks? And, and the answer is, yeah, ever since the Ukraine war, everything, everything is now economic and financial. All battles are economic and financial. 
uh, and and the the overtones are done with propaganda and and uh, the undertones go on with with assassinations and what what they did in the in Brazil was extremely clever. The the Western banker cabal climbed onto an anti-corruption movement right. to remove Dilma Rousseff from office as president. And in the same vein, they catapulted their own favored son. And, and that's all fine, but, but there's some preliminaries to Brazil, and that was the murder of Campo two years ago, maybe three years ago. And what was very intriguing about that murder incident was one of the current leading figures in this anti-corruption movement was also scheduled to be on the same plane with Campo. And then the last second decided not to go. In other words, he was part of the assassination plot. These are things that you cannot say with 100% certainty, but you can, in today's world, say it with about 80 to 90% certainty. Now, as for the attacks, yeah, it's full-blown against Russia with all points headed off by sanctions. Tremendous abuses of the SWIFT transaction system, never before seen in the previous century, in the 1900s. Never did we see the usage of the SWIFT transaction banking system for geopolitical purposes. If things don't work out the way Washington, London, and Western Europe like, they pull all the strings regarding banking and and do sanctions and, and ban certain products, and Russia came right back with the food ban to show that two can play that game. The game is on and has been on for over two years, so really the, the, the main Missing piece for danger and risk is, are they going to elevate it into a hotter war? And now the U.S. has violated every NATO treaty in existence by placing offensive missiles all through Eastern Europe on the Russian border. And now there's a lot of activity for NATO troops in the Baltic states. The the U.S. is trying to provoke a war with Russia. And, you know, I I like to distinguish, Sheila, I I don't like to say that it's so much the U.S. government doing this. It's the Rothschild and Rockefeller handlers that are doing this. The whole Ukraine war was a response to the fact that Putin kicked out the Rothschild bankers from Russia. Next thing you know, Russia's blamed for holding on to their naval port in the Crimea. Well, what about the blame for the U.S. and Israel for conducting a coup in Kiev? Yeah. So the double standards everywhere, it's fooled a lot of people, and the Rothschilds control a lot of newspapers. So, you know, this is a, a very serious financial and economic war being waged. And what it does is it proves correct a forecast that I made way back in 2005. I said, when the the relationship with China sours and other things develop in the world, we're going to see the dollar defended by war in an open manner. And now we're seeing that. Back in 05, we had an example where South Korea announced that they wanted to shed a lot of their treasury bonds from their banking reserves. And the next thing you know, the U.S. Navy is doing exercises off the coast of Seoul, Korea. Right. Well, it's really reckless provocation, isn't it? It it is, and what's become different in the last couple of years is that there's a lot of provocation by the U.S. and the Western side drawing in NATO, and the U.S. is nowhere near as strong 
militarily as it was 10 and 15 years ago. The superiority is widely recognized to be tactically, that's a very important word, tactically, the superiority is with Russia. They have a few weapons that the U.S. does not have, and that is very important. So it's not a matter anymore of, well, we have more tanks than you do. Right. Oh, well, we have more frigates and destroyers on, the, on the, the naval fleet than you do. We have more missiles than you do. No, uh-uh. They have better missiles. They have better radar jamming systems, and they're demoing these things. It, it's turned so ugly, Sheila, that there's a phenomenon, a, a, new, a new element that, that's so important. The European Union has now flexed its fascist muscles. Mm. We, we now have the European Union Commission, unelected, running things and giving orders to the member state presidents and prime ministers. Well, that's a good segue. There's so much crazy stuff going on in Europe. You just mentioned, of course, the Brexit. I mean, the Telegraph even reported this morning, Cameron and Johnson going at it over the Brexit. Cameron, of course, we know is an NWO shill. But the EU desperately needs Britain to remain in the union so they can control Europe with unelected officials. So do you think that there might be Washington-backed, well, let's just call them ramifications, i.e. even a terror attack on Britain if the vote appears to be for a Brexit, well, a.k.a. for the listeners, the United Kingdom withdraw from the European Union here? I don't know, and I don't think any event that you might describe there would be effective in bringing about a change, I think much more likely they're going to conduct continued propaganda with distortions about how Brexit is a disaster for the nation, and they're going to rig the election. Why bother with a terror event killing people when they can just do what the United States is expert at rigging the elections with the machinery, the software. It's so bad in the United States that they're now rigging the polls. Hillary rigged the polls in order to look good as a, as a frontrunner at the beginning of the campaigns. The, the, the Brits don't need to do a whole lot to rig this. What they can do is just not count a whole lot of votes. Isn't that simple? <laughs> well, it, but it's amazing after the EU ushered in all the Muslim refugees, the British people said, screw that, we want out. And yet, ironically, it was Cameron that had to, well, he made the promise, remember, during his election campaign for Brits to vote on a Brexit. And now that's coming back to haunt him, isn't it? Yeah, well, I think he might have made that promise when he didn't think it had a chance or he was <laughs> assured that they would rig the vote. Now it doesn't look all that good. And, and this this refugee issue, got, I'd like to mention one very – I have some strange correct forecasts, Sheila. I, I made a forecast in 2011 that since I concluded that there would be no justice among the bankers to bring them to, to trial and, and prosecute, that instead a lot of mid-level bankers would be murdered. Now, that worked out well. Okay, then in August, I noticed that a lot of these Arab refugees were coming in, into Western Europe, and I asked a basic question to a couple of my colleagues. Who's paying their passage? There are thousands of them. Of course, George Soros. So Soros and his NGO groups, the non-government organizations that he funded heavily. So I made a conclusion, Sheila, a forecast in August of last year. Look for a major terrorist event in a Western Europe city within a month or two. And there it is, Paris. Oh, right, Paris. 
Well, yeah, and Soros is doing some very strange things. The man himself that broke the Bank of England, Soros's fund management, cut its stake in Hibernia. This is bizarre with the hedge funds, and yet the what is the media narrative telling you? Well, take a close. I did an examination in in the May Hattrick letter exactly on this. He bought two things in a big way: Barrick mining stock, yes, and the SPDR. Gold Exchange Traded Fund, the GLD fund. He didn't buy gold in either count. He didn't buy gold bars. He didn't put pressure on the COMEX. No, he supported the corrupt gold paper system that rigs the price. Right. Okay, that's very different. And that's how I portrayed it in the Hattrick letter. Right. Well, what is your take on what has been going on with gold, especially what's been happening over the last few weeks and certainly the last few months? Well, I, I got to start off by saying that I was disappointed in in the last few weeks. I have been disappointed. Uh, I expected that in early April, I expected that we would see a nice strong move in gold, uh, probably past 1300 and a nice strong move in silver, past 18. Those are the two targets. Those are the resistance points. And I thought that it would be kind of quick. And it was quick for silver, but it backed off very forcefully. And it never made it to 1300 on gold. And it's backed off in a firm way. It's nowhere near threatening 1300 again. I expected the two elements would be far more important. And they were Shanghai's taking control of the gold fix. Right. And the other one was Shanghai opening up and creating a Shanghai-based RMB-priced gold futures contract with direct delivery, unlike the COMEX, which is dollar-priced and no delivery at all. Well, yeah, the Chinese are just getting fed up with the whole pricing system. What is their plan here, do you think, Jim? Okay, here's my take on it, and I'll I'll try to be brief, but it'll be a more comprehensive answer because I just gave a little background in in the last preface. The Chinese have a long-term plan. And whenever you hear long-term and China in the same sentence, you have to wonder whether it's 10 years or 100 years. Right. Okay, so it's not 100 years here. It's probably not 10, but it's probably not 10 weeks either. So they've got a long-range plan to take control. After April 19th and before now, they bought the Barclays Gold Vault in London. So they're making steps. They're not whetting the appetite of the Westerners who are saying, well, damn it, move it past 1300 get to 1400 What are you waiting for? <laughs> they're waiting for their own plan in a time frame where their clock does not move like ours. Okay, so in summary, I think the Chinese have decided we're not quite ready yet. And what I mean by that is they don't have enough volume of RMB-type trading in, say, settlement for exports. Right. They don't have enough RMB bonds in banking systems. They don't have enough international usage of the RMB floating around in simple currency trading. They do have a few things set, like the accounting standards. They do have the the Chinese interbank payment system, CIPS. That is a competitor to SWIFT. And combined with the cooperation that they've got from the SWIFT on the messaging services, SWIFT is both transactions 
bank to bank for X dollars, like say from London to Rio de Janeiro or from Hong Kong to <laughs> Thailand, whatever. Okay, the SWIFT code is used for that. But there's also a SWIFT messaging system. And it got recently hacked into by Anonymous, which is kind of funny. <laughs> but uh, anyway, the CIPS system is a competitor to SWIFT. And it will be RMB-based for bank-to-bank transactions of large volume. And that is now active. So the Chinese might have said, even though we have some platforms ready, even though the Asian Infrastructure Investment Bank, AIIB, has, I don't know exactly, I think it's something like 50 nations that have signed up for it, or 60 nations signed up, maybe even more, I might be behind. Even though they've got all these in place, they just don't have enough momentum. So the Chinese are not ready to lift the gold price past, say, 1,400, 150 points from where it is now, roughly. They're not ready to move the silver price to 20, which is a good $3.5 from where it is right now. And the reason is simple. They're not only unprepared for the consequence, they don't want to wreck the entire Western banking system. If gold goes to 1,400, if silver goes to 20, it'll cause some breakdowns. It'll cause some bank failures as a consequence, not initially, but as a consequence. Down the line, dominoes fall. The whole vulnerability for the Western banking system is not just Deutsche Bank. It's the gold price. These banks are holding enormous shorts. That's a good segue. Were you surprised that Deutsche Bank actually admitted to gold fixing just, what, two months ago? <laughs> oh, this is really interesting. Glad you brought that up. I expect Deutsche Bank to be the wrecking ball for the Western banking system. And this is by design. I believe, and it's very hard to say I checked and I proved this, and I'm, yeah, I'm, I know it's right. I believe the Chinese have regarded and concluded that Deutsche Bank is the broken piece that if fractured wide open can bring down the Western banking system and furthermore, London and New York do not control it. Therefore, it is a highly vulnerable and valuable target to knock down. So China has gone in there and forced regulators to make good on promises. And in return, the Chinese promised not to dump treasury bonds. This is the vulnerability. The Chinese are doing a lot of trading like that. I don't mean trading of, of, uh, you know, this asset for that asset. I mean, it's a, a trade of this action. For another action. Well, you mentioned treasury bonds. Let me ask you this, Jim. It's so stunning when we see what has gone on with Saudi Arabia. Something really stinks in Denmark. You mentioned treasury bonds. Now, there's been a lot of shady stuff going on. Look at we saw that flurry of visits from Washington to Riyadh in April. You got Paul Ryan, what Ash Carter, Obama, everyone's going off to Riyadh. And then what was looking like the U.S. throwing them under the bus because, of course, it's like, oh, we're going to release, you know, the leaks that show that you're complicit in the 9-11 attacks after the U.S. stole their gold and treasury bonds, forcing them in war with Yemen. Look at their unannounced king there. He's doing a shuck and jive selling Aramco. I mean, don't they own like five trillion dollars in treasury bonds? Where did all that money go? They're finding the Saudis are that their core of treasury bond holdings protected by the the data reporting. Notice that on the treasury investment capital report, the tick reports, it's OPEC nations and Saudi is not a single nation in there. We're to assume the Saudis are rolled into that OPEC sum. 
Right. I assume that the Saudis are excluded from that OPEC sum. That's OPEC minus Saudi. The Saudis are coming to conclude that their three, four, or five trillion dollars in treasury bonds are not available and serve as the core for the Exchange Stabilization Fund for the Department of Treasury, U.S. government. In other words, it is the core nucleus of treasury bonds that cannot be touched because if it is removed, if it is liquidated or even moved, the entire Western financial system breaks down. That's how important the Exchange Stabilization Fund. It is central headquarters for Western financial market rigging. Yeah. The Saudis lost their, th- let's just call it three trillion. The Saudis lost their three trillion. It's the same equivalent statement of the Saudis cannot access their three trillion. What's the difference? Well, the Saudis are getting written out of the script here because London and New York are done with them. They're what being discarded or thrown under the bus or it's like, don't try to retrieve your money and you better not be working with China and Russia. Hey, Uh, they're already working with China. I I expect China to be a big buyer of Aramco. I'd like to point out a, a story, a double story that we had back in 2012, 13, 14. It was UBS and Credit Suisse. Since when does the United States government have jurisdiction over Swiss banks? What are in those Swiss banks? We stole the Saudi gold and probably some other emirate gold, but the big player in that whole region is Saudi Arabia. Uh, yeah, Oman and Qatar, they probably have, Kuwait, they probably have some, some gold too. But I doubt that it's more than, say, 10% of what the Saudis had in the Swiss banks. I remember hearing all through the, the 2000 decade, well, the, the Saudis are very rich in gold. They have it in the Swiss bullion banks. Right. And then I started hearing about the UBS story and I thought, where's the jurisdiction? There is none. And I thought, okay, there, there can be some charges of tax evasion and whatever regarding clients in the UBS banks. That does not give them jurisdiction over control for those Swiss banks. So we not only locked away and made inaccessible their three trillion in treasury bonds, we stole their gold in Switzerland. So it's a complete toss under the bus. The only thing lacking, Sheila, is killing off a few of their princes in our typical manner of, you know, terrorist explosions in Riyadh. Oh, come on. That's all that's lacking now. And it gets worse. Throwing under the bus also has an element of forcing them into wasting more money. Who is the beneficiary for military contracts in the Yemen war? The U.S. The U.S., okay. So we're forcing them to spend money that they don't have to replace the reserves that they lie about in having excess capacity. They don't have much of any excess capacity. It's in Yemen. That's why they're in Yemen. And I made a statement a year ago. The Yemen war is all about replacing Saudi-depleted reserves. And now that is the story. So I'm getting, you know, comments on my contact us saying, nice, Jim, we're now seeing that Yemen is loaded with oil and gas, like you said. Terrorism and sectarian violence in Yemen. Right. Right. On the ground. Sure. And below the ground is all the oil that they're fighting for. Right. Speaking of forecasting, there's been some alternative economists who believe the dollar is going to devalue as it is now against the euro, the yen. Do you believe the dollar will, we're going to see maybe a reverse and it might even strengthen before vanishing as one of the forecasts says? 
What does it mean for the dollar to strengthen? For me, the dollar has weakened horribly yes. versus oil. Okay, not, that's not an accurate statement. Evidence of the dollar weakening is extremely evident from the fall in the oil price, which has served as the de facto standard for the dollar since 1973. If the standard asset, it's not like you can say, well, I've got a million dollars or a billion dollars worth of, of treasury bonds and I want to cash it in for oil. But it's very close to that in practical applications in the financial world because the oil is sold in dollars it is bought in dollars and the savings is tucked away in treasury bonds. So the dollar is weak because the oil price is down. It's not as a result. It is, it is one and the same. Okay, so when you say will the dollar strengthen, I think what you're asking is will the dollar index strengthen versus the euro and the other players in fiat paper currency? Because the dollar index is stuck Yes. At 52% euro on the weight. To say the dollar is strengthening is really to say the dollar is rising versus the euro and the other currencies. In the last two years, we've seen the dollar strengthen versus the euro and other currencies as seen in the dollar index called the DX. So what? Big deal. So the fattest guy in the room is less ugly than the other fat guys in the room. Big deal. Where are the handsome ones? Well, they're outside. They're not in the paper currency room. And that's gold. So we're seeing the dollar index. I, I like to use the word index when I'm describing the dollar because the dollar is a very big concept. The dollar index has risen in the last two years. That only means that the other nations of the world just don't have that privilege to print money like we do. Brazil does not have the privilege of wiping away their debt by using the printing press and giving it to China and other exporters, other countries that they export with, as payment for their trade. Other nations cannot print their money like the corrupt dollar advocates do. So the other nations of the world suffer on their currency. And the emerging market nations are preparing for defaults of between seven and nine trillion dollars in dollar debt that they thought was risk-free because the interest rates were so low. Risk is defined far more than just interest rate. It's defined as interest rate and economy, ability to pay it back, and the currency, which has gone to hell for most of these emerging market nations. I, I don't really care too much about movements of the dollar index because it's compared to other toilet paper. <laughs> what I do care about is the dollar's value versus gold and silver and the factors that are going to shut down the market for gold and silver. But to try to answer your question a little more directly here, there is a movement. Now, in 1985, there was something called the Plaza Accord during the Volcker era uh, of the central bank at the Fed. And what the major nations of the world, it was the G7 back there. And back then, if you weren't G7, you were nobody and you had no voice. And you really weren't an industrial power like China is now. Okay, So G7 ruled the roost with no G20 in existence. That's, that's a very new concept. The G7 nations decided we need to bring the dollar down versus what? Not versus television sets and a standard of, say, a copper deposit. No, 
we must bring the dollar down versus the other toilet paper currencies. So they had the Plaza Accord, which is a, a name of a, a Paris, France hotel. The Plaza Accord was to bring the dollar down versus the other G7 currencies, and it was a major success. I'm hearing they're trying to do a Plaza 2 Accord to bring the dollar down a little bit versus the other, again, G7 nations. The trouble is <laughs> the G20 is not small. So the other 13 are messing up the plan for the control room with the G7 nations. The G7 nations are not the whole show anymore. So they're having a tremendously hard problem, say, bringing down the dollar versus the yen, bringing down the dollar versus the Swissy, or versus the pound, or versus the euro. The too many other players, the G20 nations that are not in the G7, are saying, we're not going to play your stupid game. We want to bring in the gold standard. You're shuffling your brown stained toilet paper. We want to flush it. Yeah, they want to flush it and bring in the gold standard. Well, last Friday's unemployment report was a huge wake-up call. A shocker mm. was how few jobs were created in May, despite Bernanke 2.0 in a skirt there, Miss Yellen, Miss Keynesianism herself. Hey, nothing to see here, folks. We're doing strong. I mean, the red flashing neon signs, Jim, of a weakening economy, they've been evident for months. Do you think Wall Street is finally starting to get the message. I guess my question is, is the Fed now with this BLS jobs report? I mean, are they trapped in a corner where they'll have to lower interest rates or maybe institute overt QE prior to the election here? You know, when we got to 0%, which I forecasted a year in advance, I forecasted it right before and during Lehman. We got to 0% later in 09. I made a statement that it'll be 0% forever. You don't get out of 0%. Look at Japan. They've been stuck there since 1990. Right. Where's, where's their move toward normalcy and monetary policy? When we got 2012 and we went to QE, which is unsterilized, hyper-monetary inflation, Zimbabwe style, to cover the U.S. government debt issuance that no one wanted to buy. Okay, that's QE. That's not stimulus. It's monetary policy that wrecks the whole system. I got that right also. When we got to QE, I said it'll be, not only be forever, it'll be infinite. So now we have 0% policy forever and QE to infinity. And if you think QE to infinity is an exaggeration, no. In September of 2014, the United States government announced that they were taking, confiscating, using, stealing, whatever word you want, seizing, I like, the Japanese government pension fund worth $1.2 trillion. And what did the Bank of Japan respond with? We're going to QE to infinity to fix this. They needed to replace their pension fund because all those Japanese government bonds were being used to buy treasuries and bought the U.S. another year. So QE to infinity is not without precedent. It's publicly stated at the Bank of Japan. We had a very clever move in December of a rate hike. Yeah. It was really not a rate hike because the effective Fed funds rate never went up a quarter percent. Instead, what it did was it created a quarter percent gap to facilitate reverse repos. Reverse repo is a device used by the Fed that 
takes cash from the Wall Street banks and gives them treasury bonds which they can use to much greater level of leverage. So it wasn't a quarter percent rate hike. It was a finagling within the derivative system to enable the big banks to create a higher tower of bobble. Okay, we have the Fed actually saying that the economy is getting sufficiently strong in order for the central bank to raise interest rates a second time. They're not going to do it. And if they do, it'll be another trick with the derivative machinery setting the dials to enable more fake treasury bond demand to be created by the interest rate swap derivative that takes 0% money and converts it into a 10-year bond demand. Take a look at the, the Challenger Gray and Christmas large company layoff report. They're setting records. Big oh. records, Sheila. And, and look at some of the details. Intel, 15,000 layoffs. Microsoft, 22,000 layoffs. IBM, 10,000 layoffs. Cisco. Cisco, another one. I don't have the details on Cisco. I have a client from Intel who is a project manager, and he was giving me all kinds of information on the details. And it's ugly. Yeah. And to defend the dollar, they need to defend the treasury bond, which is showing major cracks, Sheila. Yeah. You cannot look at the treasury bond and say, oh, you know, look at that. The interest rate on the 10-year is 1.7, so all is well. No, that's naive. You have to look at things like failures to deliver, the volume of the reverse repo, which tells me and us how much the banks are leveraging to the sky. It's, it's the failures to deliver give you an indication of how much you have a mismatch of the artificial treasury bond demand created and the actual treasury bond cleanup process with the primary dealers and the Wall Street banks. And yet you've got these four Fed heads just a while ago, remember Bernanke and Yellen and Greenspan, I mean, in their little cabal meeting, the Fed heads are jawboning how good the economy is and how a rate hike is on the way to protect the dollar and slam down gold. Really, this is all really kabuki theater, though, really, isn't it? Yeah, I, I agree with that. But it's worse than kabuki theater. This this is managing the giant skyscraper that's falling down, not from demolition, but from the weight of debt on every single floor. I mean, I've got people say to me, gosh, how long can they keep this going? And I said, well, just watch because the debt is collapsing. The structures are breaking. They're breaking. Well, what are the main factors moving the U.S. stock market indexes? I mean, half the time, Jim, I can't figure out whether we're seeing deflation, inflation, stagflation. Is it a rate hike or price inflation instead? Or is it something deeper going on here? All comments about price inflation are, are goofy. The Chapwood Price Inflation Index came into being last year for publicity. And it revealed that most American cities, U.S. cities, have a 10% price inflation annually. It concluded that just since Lehman, the U.S. economy shrank 22% if properly adjusted for price inflation. All price inflation commentary is nonsense. So we're in an era now where they're trying to legitimize the lies and deceptions They've been saying, this is almost by fascist 
business model law. If you're going to talk about the economy, you must say that it's a recovery. You must say it's something positive and put an adjective on it. And lately, sluggish has worked real well. Well, you're, I mean, come on, let's face it. You're not a guy that's duped or shocked or fooled, certainly. What event, Jim, do you think, or maybe factor is a better word, is the most shocking to you in the current state of affairs? Because here we are in June of 2016. I think it's a very, very key time. What surprises you on all the culmination of the development that's going on? The culmination is toward the dollar's retirement, and it's, it's in negotiations. It's in negotiations, Sheila, and there are very high-level meetings going on right now between China and, believe it or not, the, the Bank for International Settlements, so that all international trade can be moved from dollar settlement to gold settlement. I've been making the point that a lot of these ships are not unloading at U.S. ports because there's an unspoken strike against the dollar. And, and some comments have come back, and they're good comments. They're, they're worth, worth replying to. I maintain that the dollar is under a strike globally right now. The comment coming back to me is that a country like China or, or Singapore or Taiwan, they wouldn't send out a ship without knowing the, the form of payment at the Los Angeles dock. So why would they send it? And why would there be a problem at the Los Angeles dock if they left port knowing what the form of payment would be. And I say, they were lied to. W would it be unprecedented for the U.S. government to lie? They were lied to about payment form. They were probably told, we'll, we'll work it out, we'll come to a good compromise, everything will be fine. Send that ship, we need it. They send it, and then they're told, no, I'm sorry, it's all treasury bills, you're here now. Right. We lie for almost everything. The U.S. government is one of the most dishonorable nations in the history of mankind, modern history especially. The dollar is one of the most corrupt in the modern history of mankind. Yeah, what a label to be proud of. But the bottom line here is the U.S. is really trying to provoke something here. That's what's really going on here, isn't it? It is. It is because we need a, a bigger conflict and a bigger commotion and distraction from the collapse of the U.S. economy. And I don't mean that in a silly, exaggerated form. The U.S. economy is collapsing. Look at the Challenger report. The, the, this is very, very ugly and dangerous. Okay, we're, we're using the Baltic states. I'd like to comment something about Baltic states. Yes. Are, are they large? <laughs> no. Are they, are they therefore easily controlled? Yes. Are they near Russia? Yes. Okay, so of, of all the Western European nations, the, the biggest mavericks are the Baltics. Okay, and this is not surprising. Take a look at each one of their leaders. They're paid little puppets to come in there and, and do the bidding for Washington. And, and they're, they're hostile. It, it's very, very strange. Let's just keep this conventional for now. The U.S. military abandoned the Persian Gulf about a year ago. Do you know why? Because they sensed tremendous tactical superiority by the Russian military. Keyword, tactical. Right, tactical. This is, again, it's about Sunburn missile, the Onyx missile, the SU missile. It's about their, their long, long range for accurate firing. 
Yeah. It, it, it's, it's about a lot of things. It's about the – okay, there's something called the Aegis, A-E-G-I-S. It, it's Latin for wing. The Aegis system – Here's a ship. We got our Aegis system. What are the threats within a 100-mile radius? What's out there? And it's also a system for locating an object that's a threat and then targeting it with the, the automated systems on board this, this high-tech ship. A ballistic missile defense system, really, isn't it? Yes. The demonstrations have been, I think, two. One was the USS Donald Cook in April of two, uh, 2014 on the Baltic Sea. And the, the U.S. naval admirals were just shocked, pissing in their pants. They basically froze the systems, the Aegis systems. And I think it was three MiG fighters, or if they weren't MiG, they were the next generation. Don't, don't catch me on the MiG word. Russian fighter, modern fighter jets. I'm not Clancy, who, by the way, was murdered. Neurotoxin was used to kill him. Uh, I'm not Clancy with all the details in all this, but the Russians had the ability to do whatever they wanted to the Donald Cook and another ship off the Baltic Sea a few months ago. They jammed the Aegis radar system, and the, the ship was absolutely helpless. Now, if the U.S. military had a foreign adversary vessel helpless do you think they would have sunk it probably the russians didn't they flew around for 15 minutes tipping their wings basically saying nah 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 nah, nah. we could do anything we want and we're not going to it was the, the the aviation equivalent of flipping the bird wow well What's the bottom line with all this, in your opinion, Jim? And what are we seeing? Like, I mean, we're, we're in June right now. What do you see coming for this summer, fall? I see continued high-level negotiations for two things. One is establishment of gold-backed currencies, and starting with the, the Chinese and a uh, gold trade note to satisfy this whole problem with trade. All the problems with trade have a core denominator, and that is nations don't want any more treasury bonds because we're printing them well over a trillion a year in their savings accounts, the type of asset in their savings account. So there's a negotiation going on to create a better financial system to transition away from the dollar, and, and it's very difficult. It's very difficult because you can't transition away from the dollar unless you've got some other major superhighway system with lots of platforms ready and waiting. And the RMB system, as I described in one of the early questions, is not quite ready. Okay, that's one big negotiation, and it has all to do with the launch of the U.S. domestic-only dollar. We have tremendous problems now. In, in world finance and U.S. economy finance, because the global currency standard, the reserve currency, the dollar, is being printed for U.S. benefit. We need to separate the global reserve currency function in major banks, like in South Korea and other countries of the world, that have savings accounts. They don't want the dollar to be printed and undermined and contaminated and made toxic the way it is since 2012 with QE to infinity. Okay, we're going to have to have a U.S.-only currency. I call it the domestic scheiss dollar. That's German for...
excrement. If we don't have a proper gold backing, it will be devalued, Sheila, 20% every several months. Talk about a currency crisis in the U.S. government. The other big development underway is between China and the holders of the major gold supplies in the world, and that's primarily the Bank for International Settlements in China. They don't have agreements yet, but what they need to do, I, I got a great example from Euroraj this morning because we we're talking about this precise topic. It's so important. It's on my mind every day. He said, suppose you have a contract between India and Saudi Arabia for information technology uh, products and services, a big one, like in the billions every year between India and Saudi Arabia. They have it all written up in dollars for the contract. And, and, you know, most Americans, they don't know that international contracts are written in the dollar. And we're wrecking the dollar at the Fed by hypermonetary inflation, QE. We call it stimulus. The world calls it toxification. So how does India get paid by the Saudis if the dollar goes away and their big billion-dollar annual contract is in the dollar. Okay, that's where this negotiation is going on between China and, and the BIS. It's basically the big super bank in Basel, Switzerland, that acts like the, the reserve, caretaker, parent, foster father, whatever. <laughs> they, call it, they call it the central bank of central banks. Right. They're trying to work out Sheila, an acceptable dollar gold price. Mm. And I guarantee you, it's not going to be under 5,000. Wow. Okay. So the two big developments are the launch of the domestic dollar. Now, they could make it legitimate by leasing Chinese gold, but so far they've rejected the Chinese offer to lease 10,000 gold tons. 10,000 tons of gold for, I'm told, 13% under the, the current price. That's how much the Chinese are willing to be generous, to be beneficent, to solve this global problem because the dollar has gone toxic. Very, very big events going on. I, I think we're going to get an agreement uh, with the Chinese and the, the, the main landlords of, of gold because a very simple reason. All the systems are breaking. Yeah. The treasury bond system is breaking. The dollar has wrecked almost all foreign currencies, re requiring a, a Plaza II accord, yeah. new agreement to bring down the dollar. Major corporations across the world announced layoffs. You're seeing one major bank after another basically collapse. And, and they're, they're being propped up just by funny money shoved in, not just from central banks, but from the narcotics funds. It's going to force a solution, Sheila. It's very important. The collapse is not just going to cause problems. It's forcing a solution. And my big fear coming up is the transition time. Will the supply chain across the world just go totally nuts, messed up, and shortages of tires, shortages of car parts, shortages for razor blades? I would like this, this one fellow. I mentioned that I'm stocking up on tuna, water, beans, and razor blades. <laughs> and, and somebody just sent me about three years supply of razor blades and, and, and foamy gel. <laughs> and please send me another message so I could thank you because I forgot who you are. 
Well, for that close shave, Jim, you're looking good. <laughs> I, I got my baby like skin, but I got to shave it, Sheila. Every, I don't shave more than every two days. I, that's been a rule of mine for 30 years. <laughs> I don't have that problem. Well, Jim, it was such a pleasure to have you on the program today. And I not only thank you for your time today, but I hope you do come back and see us really soon. This is a lot of fun. It's a labor of love, Sheila, and I, I, I greatly enjoy interviews. And when there's a, a bright interviewer host like yourself, I always say, yeah, I'll be back. Sure. Jim, in the, in the waning moments, give out your website in terms of how people can get your incredible. I don't think there's anything like the hat trick. Give the listeners the info on how they can get in contact with you and get that amazing hat trick. Okay, it's called the Hat Trick Letter. It's found on Golden Jackass website, www.goldenjackass.com. In April, I had the 12th anniversary. Uh, I'm very pleased. I mean, a year ago, honestly, Sheila, I was getting more exhausted and, and, and drained. And, and when I finished the report, it was, okay, I need to decompress for like a week. But, <laughs> yeah. but now I'm, I'm doing better. I, I don't know why. I think I'm just becoming accustomed to the fact that we're in a transition toward a solution rather than just, oh, here we go again, no movement toward a solution, no progress. Okay, that, that drains me. But, okay, on, on goldenjackass.com, uh, there is a lot of free material. And in the last couple of years, they're realizing, you know, we're, we're doing a lot of extreme things. The 0%, it's messing up the CDs for my bank. And, and my father's got a big retirement in CDs. He's earning nothing. Uh, I've got a pension, and it's being reduced because the, the pension funds are in treasuries. They're not earning anything. I'm seeing problems with the, the, the insurance business because their nut is not earning any interest. So they can't pay out. The central state's pension fund in the United States, which is largely Teamsters in the, the middle America, they're announcing over 50% cuts in benefits. So the pension system's going to hell. The insurance system's going to hell. The big corporations are laying off like crazy. The energy firms are going to hell. So people are new to this game, and they come in, and they, they see the hat-trick letter and, and, and the interviews, and they, they learn a lot and learn quickly. Yeah, they're going to learn a lot, all right, and I highly recommend that they do subscribe to that. So, folks, check out goldenjackass.com. That website is linked there on today's bio at weekendvigilante.com. We have a fantastic rest of the week, so make sure you tune in, and don't forget, sign up for my YouTube channel and all my social media icons are located at the top right corner of my website. Thank you very much for tuning in to the program today. We'll see you tomorrow. Good night and God bless.